The most anticipated segment of the week is here. It is uh, Mailbag Friday coming up in a couple of minutes. Get to all of your questions or as many as we can through the next little bit. Can always send in your questions at Satyar Shaw. He will prompt you through the course of the day on Friday on Twitter. Uh, you can also send them through 650 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, I, I did want to shout out a new uh, crew I joined today, Sat. Crew? Oh, okay. Yes. I uh, I woke up at an ungodly hour to play uh, pickup hockey at 6 a.m. When you told me this today, <laughs> like I. <laughs> I gagged. <laughs> both of you, like both Sat and Joel were like, what the hell's wrong with you, bro? 5 a.m.? Why? Work, Did like somebody force you to do this? Like, no. You work at four. Why are you getting I up just, five? Well, like, hey, it, it's always great. And met uh, a few fans of the show, a couple of uh, great netminders. You know, it's always, you always got to shout out the goalies. Like, it's one thing to get up and play hockey at that ungodly hour, but if you want to strap on a, a pair of pads and catch rubber for an hour while playing shinny and no defense, uh, then you've you've just hit another level of like needing to exercise. I don't know. It's hard enough just finding goalies sometimes, let alone having somebody that's reliable. How many times have you been playing and you, you guys are looking for a goalie? Oh, man, rent a goalie all the time. It's, it's right? the worst. Yep. Uh, so anytime you have reliable goaltenders. Huge. That's uh, why goalies play free in most pickup leagues. Hundred percent. And why not? Uh, but uh, it was it was good. And I think I'm going to make it a regular Friday thing. I might have to figure out a midday nap though. Mm. Uh... <laughs> yeah, because how many spros are you on today? <laughs> oh man, pregame uh, so appies and I, nappies for. Reaching. I had a I had a pregame spro. Uh, made a full pot in the macchinetto when I got home. Mm, so full pot. Okay. Uh, had a had about three more, <laughs> and here I am. I had one uh, during the show as well. So, so are you so tired that you're still going to have one tonight when you get home? Ah, uh, I'm okay right now because oh, I'm right? excited for the mailbag. Yes. It's time okay. for Mailbag Friday here on Canucks Central. Ton of questions coming in, and uh, we'll start off with Cole Robinson. A very uh, Interesting point and question to start. Cole Robinson, are you guys as sick of all the trade rumors and the fan base and prayer players are, as the fan base and players are? The deadline can't come soon enough. Okay, so um, I, I'm not going to be disingenuous, and we're generally, you know, you know, we talk about things we want to talk about, but mm-hmm. we do talk about things we have to talk about. Yes, and sometimes the trade talk does get a bit too much because it's like. We're just going over the same thing again. <laughs> There's nothing new to report. New reports come out. New details come out. But generally, it's kind of stayed the same. The three guys, they're not moving. Bo's probably not going in anywhere either. Yep. The rest, they're listening. They're mm-hmm. talking. They're gauging. They're mm-hmm. figuring out. That's the way it is. And they're trying to see if they're in the playoffs. Yep. That's the gist of it. And then the other part is Tyler Mott, the mm-hmm. guy you have to make a decision on. How many times have we said... That in in a longer, more exhaustive way. <laughs> we were talking about Mott, I think two or three weeks ago, uh, and and just from a perspective of like, you know, what's the number look like mm-hmm. if you're going to sign him? Because it's obvious he's the most likely player to get traded. He's an unrestricted free agent with no trade protection. Yeah, if you're out of the playoffs, that's obviously the guy you mo- you move. Um, so 
Yeah, to a certain extent, yes. Sometimes it comes up. Like today, we didn't have a lot of specific trade discussions. But uh, even in the text inbox throughout the course of the day, we're getting different types of trade proposals and hypotheticals. Would you do this? Does this make sense? All of that. But we didn't get to it until now. Five Canuck thoughts with this question. Miller for Byram. Who says no? <laughs> um, I still say Vancouver. I think Byram, it's tough to take him as the lone piece in a deal right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, because of the situation with the injuries and the concern there. Yeah. I, look, Byram's an incredible talent, but... You have to take the risk into account if you're going to make that kind of a trade. Well, and that's exactly it. I mean, I, I want to add a lot more to that, but I really can't, Dan, because mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like it's been reported, the Canucks like Bowen Byram. Who doesn't like Bowen Byram? Yeah. But because of his ongoing concussion issues and may not even play again this season, he might. And I know he mm -hmm. wants to and all that sort of stuff. And, and I wish the best for him and, you know, and hopefully he can be fine and play and have an illustrious long career. But um, because of the risk, he can't be the only piece coming back. Yeah. And I'd almost hedge to say he can't be the best piece coming back. Wow. It's a high bar for a trade. It is. I mean, shouldn't the ask be high? The Canucks are saying it's a high ask. Yeah. So, okay. So, so here's the thing. What's been reported? The Canucks have a very, very astronomically high ask. For JT Miller. So you think they do Miller for Byram one for one? No. They probably want Byram plus plus, or at least, say, for instance, Byram and Newhook? That yep. probably gets it done. That probably gets it done. Is that too much? Maybe Colorado says that's too much. Probably Colorado. Certainly Colorado Avalanche fans would say that's too much. Yeah. But if you get... Okay, so I would love to take Byram... Like, for instance, Newhook and Byram, yeah. to me, that's a great package. Because then I live the risk with Byram. I'm like, you know what? If it yeah. works out, great. If it doesn't, I'm, I'm ready to take that risk. Because Alex Newhook is fast, can do everything. And when he grows into his own, he can be a star-level, point-producing player for you. Um, there was another one from TB on Bowen Byram. Shouts for the question. Thank you. But uh, we just discussed Byram. Danux, you mentioned Shea Theodore's name a couple weeks ago. What would his cost be to acquire? Also, would you rather him or Byron? Um, well, I mean, so established player, I'd rather take Shea Theodore. Yes. Um, and I know somebody else, Nathan, sent in. It's like, why would they even move Shea Theodore and everything like that? And it's a fair question. But if you look at how that team is built and Petrangelo's paid and they have some young defensemen too. and Have you seen their cap situation? Their cap There's situation. going to be a cap casualty. Yeah, and they're also going to have to find a way to get some goal scorers around um, Jack Eichel and those other guys too, right? And if you're moving Marcheseau out and if you're Riley Smith's not coming back, how are you finding space to add more forwards in? So I think it may come from the back end. So I think that's the reason why you've heard Shea Theodore be a guy long-term may not fit there in Vegas. We'll see how that how that unfolds. As far as Vancouver, what they would have to give up to get him, we're talking about a high price, right? I mean, we're talking about a team that needs cap space, doesn't want young players back unless it's ELC guys and draft picks. If you're able to accrue a couple extra picks, it'd be a first. It'd probably be a player like Niels Hoaglander. Mm -hmm. It'd probably be a young defenseman like a Jack Rathbone, potentially. 
I mean, it's stuff like that that a deal gets done for a team like Vegas. They want assets, and they want players and ELCs. Uh, more interesting questions coming in. A lot of trade requests. Uh, Abby, if you could only choose one to build a Miller trade around with the Rangers, Keandre Miller, Braden Schneider, or Alexis Lafreniere? Ooh. I mean, Lafreniere. Probably. Who's still the guy. Also hot right now. Yeah. I mean, he's the guy still number one pick. The upside yeah. is so tantalizing still. So probably Lafreniere. If I had to get a, if I don't I had think to, that's realistic though. No. If I had to get if I had to get real if I had to get um Miller or Schneider. Schneider's probably more realistic than Miller, to be honest. Yeah. Um I'd I'd rather get Keandre Miller. Huge upside. Oh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, you can make a case for Keandre even over Lafreniere just because of upside or whatever. I like Brady Schneider a lot. And ultimately, that's going to be the question for a team like the Rangers. Let's say it's not just JT. Let's say it's Tomas Hurdle or whatever. If teams say, hey, Schneider's the guy we want, do they budge on that? Yeah. And say, all right, this is what it's going to take mm-hmm. to make our team better. And so far, they have not been ready to budge on Schneider at all. Which is interesting. Like, they do have... Truba and Fox locked in for a long time at big numbers on the right side. So maybe there is a breaking point there, especially for a team that looks like it could be a cup contender if they add a couple of pieces. Uh, Josephine, would the Canucks trade Miller to the Leafs if the other player coming back was William Nylander? Yes. I don't know about that. But (laughs) I would say Nylander, like... (laughs) I don't know. I, I do. Um, I love Willie Nylander, man. I've always had a crush on him as a player. Like, I, since... I mean, going back. So, uh, I mean, full disclosure, we're wrong on draft picks and stuff, too. Yeah. I mean, we have opinions or whatever. But um, I mentioned Philip Zadina. Huge. I love Philip Zadina, Zadina in his draft class. Hasn't worked out. I love Willie Nylander and Nikolai Ehlers in their draft class. Like, the receipts are there. Like, I absolutely yeah. love both players. And those are the guys I would have loved to see Vancouver select. I'm not trying to do the Jake for, the, uh, you know, Jake Vertanen conversation again, but the point is, I'm really high on, on Willie Nylander still. And as good as he's been, I think there's another level for him if he can go to a team where he can be like, you know, maybe the second best forward. So I just, like, Nylander is so smooth yes. as a player, like, incredibly smooth as a player. I know, like, people are going to say he's soft and all that stuff, and like, he's just an offensive. Uh, savant sometimes the way that he's able to uh, produce offense mm-hmm. I-, I didn't see the goal scoring coming the way that it has over the last couple of years yeah where he's really developed a knack mm-hmm. for getting close to the net and getting into goal scoring areas uh, let's go to George what would you what would be the expected return on a Myers deal we've talked about how Myers could be an underrated <laughs> trade candidate or trade package uh maybe not with the way he's played this week but um tyler myers as a potential trade asset what would come back you're not getting you're not getting a lot back as far as assets are concerned like you're not making that trade to get something back you're making that trade to clear some cap space yeah so what i view in it is can you get anywhere from three to five million in cap space you're not getting six. You're not clearing all of it off unless you're, unless they pull a rabbit out of their hat, man. Like if they can somehow get a late, like, let's say if, if for instance, Alvin pulls off a trade 
Myers for a sixth or a seventh round pick and just gets the entire money off the books. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be an incredible move. I don't think that's possible. But can you get ma- maximum five off the books? Can you get maybe three to five? Yeah. If you get that off the books, I think that's kind of your return. You're looking at late round pick, kind of a prospect or whatever, and in one way or another, taking something money back. Do you have to retain a million or two, or do you take back a guy making a couple million? Do you trade Myers for a forward making three to four million that might be able to fit into your middle six? I've thrown that out there in the past as, as something you can explore, and I think that could be something you look at. I can see it. It's, yeah. p- it's potentially possible. If it opens to- a little bit of cap space and helps you in your forward group as you try to find a piece that fits better on your back. Hypothetically speaking, let's say in the offseason, because yeah. I think these are more offseason things as far as Myers and those things go. Mm-hmm. Let's say that they move one of their forwards, right? One of their top end guys, and they know they got a prospect and a pick coming, and that guy's going to take a couple years. And you want some space to improve your defense. Do you then clear some of that money, like you said, and then go get a player who's a forward, who's a middle six guy, maybe overpaid a little bit, but can help you now, keep you competitive, kind of help you fill one of those roles of one of the top end, top end guys you traded away, just to kind of give you soft cover for the meantime yeah. until that contract expires and the, and the young guys you got step in and help to, to take that team over. I think that's a realistic possibility for Myers. Um, let's uh, try to uh, find some that aren't so trade deadline related. Um, William Rogers. Why can't Di Giuseppe get a shot? I don't know, man. <laughs> I wish I had an answer for you. <laughs> I wonder if they think he's fast enough. I'll never forget training camp when uh, he got waved, and ever collectively everybody was like, "What? He was he was playing." You know what, though? You know what happened? Maybe he, was, he just doesn't have the quickness. I, I wonder if that's what they looked at. Because I remember the first game he played in the preseason was the best one. Yeah. He was making big hits. And as the preseason went on, he wasn't bad, but he was less and less noticeable. And I just kind of wonder if they thought pace-wise. And I wonder if he in practice, they're like, eh. Well, he, I just trust Chase on more. Because if the guy's, this guy's not going to have pace, then I feel like Chase on's at least going to be in the right spot. And Boudreaux was, was uh, critical of Chase on not finishing those chances, but he was also saying, giving him credit for getting those chances, and he's talking about he's reliable. But Chase on is what he is, man. Like he's gonna get you maybe ten goals this year. That's it, right? Yeah. So, but if he, if the pace isn't much different from those guys, the coaches will always defer to the guy who has experience, and he has some, you know, prior experience with. Uh, Phil Ferret, uh, basketball Phil, is it true? That the high price of gasoline in Vancouver will hurt the Rutherford-led Canucks in landing players in free agency. Uh, I would have to say yes. <laughs> well, I mean, if it was, if it's not real estate, if it's not Twitter, it's got to be the gas prices. Every Canadian team does have to fight the tax angle a little bit, and yeah, like I do think every Canadian team in general faces. Uh, just a little bit of a, you got to pay a mm. little bit more to get me to go to your town. Yeah. In free agency, period. Like, there's very few exceptions. And generally, the exceptions only come when you are really on the brink. Or it's pretty well known around the league that you're on the brink. 
Well, I, I mean, yeah, of winning a Stanley Cup. That or if it's a hometown boy. Case in point in Vancouver, when both kind of happened at the same time with Dan Hamus. Right. He comes back. He had treat got treat. He was traded at the deadline. I mean, he was traded. Uh, his rights were traded in the offseason twice. I think to Pittsburgh and then Philly or something like that, or maybe it was the other way around. And neither team was able to sign him. He became a free agent, signed with Vancouver. And also, uh, he talked about this when he signed. That wasn't the best offer on the table. Last minute, they got some offers that were you know, quite a bit more than what Vancouver offered. $4.5 million per year over six years. Yeah, I think he was offered over 5 for six. Maybe a team went to seven. And he had to think about it, but still came to Vancouver. Because, number one, he was from BC. He wanted to come to Vancouver. And the team was really good. I think that's the, usually the biggest thing. You know, and you, you talk to enough players and... Look, I, I think the narrative of players hate playing in Canada kind of gets um, overblown sometimes. It's certainly been a challenge during the pandemic, given all of the rules and restrictions compared to what the U.S. has had. I think that's obvious. But generally, Canadian players love coming to Canada or players love coming to Canada when the team is good because they know they'll be rock stars. Mm-hmm. But if you know the team is not very good, you know it can get ugly. Yes. Uh, with the fan base. And there's nowhere to hide in the fishbowl of a Canadian city. So nope. it's definitely one of those, like, where are you at in your builds type of questions. And uh, the Canucks are, um, well, they're. They're not going to be at the forefront of contenders by the end of the summer. Let's just uh, let's say that. Well, you saw the contracts they had to give out in free agency in prior years when they weren't good enough, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, whether it's the Roussels, they had to go extra for them, yep. Beagle, and even Louis and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's... The proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Uh, Claude at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Which of Benning's blunders has most negatively impacted the Canucks' chances of becoming a true cup contender. You know what? Um, I don't think it's... Look, Benning had a lot of individual blunders and bad trades, signings, whatever it is you would choose to look at. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Um, I think the biggest issue the Canucks had goes back to just the organizational ethos of not rebuilding, like fully committing to a rebuild when they really needed to. Or at the very least, to me, like it's the cap management. Yeah. Right? Like, And that's what it comes Even if you don't want to tear it all down, you could have managed your cap better. Yes. And part of that also goes, you're right, organizational ethos is the right way to put it because those things don't happen unless ownership also wants them to try to get better quickly and make some splashes and get fans yep. excited and all that sort of stuff, right? The discipline mm-hmm. with cap management wasn't there. That's the, been the biggest thing. Because if you look at any one singular move, I mean, it's easy to say OEL because the contract's so big, but you have Garland who's an asset, and you know what I mean? Like, there's something there, and, you know, both players are still good for you and help you out. You go through the rest, though. I think it's really the Hamannick, Pullman, mm-hmm. you know, you add those guys together, that's $5.5 million. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, 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 you had, if you have that five and a half million flexible to you next year, and that wasn't acquired via trade, those are free agent signings. Yeah. Changes a lot. 
You know, if we're talking about not having that five and a half million in cap flexibility next, nobody's sitting here. Maybe they're not even sitting here and talking about maybe having to move one of their top end guys. I know the term has been used a thousand times, but like death by a thousand cuts. Accurately, yeah, and that's in the cap management aspect of it, yes, because they have good contracts too. And the Dickinson one, I I, I thought the Dickinson one was a good bet at the time, that hasn't worked out. Uh, We'll see if it works out here, or maybe he has to be somewhere else. And you add that to the total, and it's hard to blame them because you know, universally, that was praised Mm -hmm. the Dickinson, you know, trade and also the signing. Sometimes things don't work out, but when you don't have a lot of cap, cap flexibility to begin with, you can't have something not work out. Um, I'll also say the situation is not akin to Vancouver. It's not unique to Vancouver where the team maybe didn't go full commit on the rebuild when they probably should have. Look, think about it. They had the Sedin still around. You wanted to give them one last kick at the can. It makes sense. Ownership wants to keep trying to get to the playoffs towards the end of that window. Think about how the Blackhawks continued to try to do that. Why did they go out and acquire Seth Jones last off season? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when they're still nowhere near being a true contender. And now you're like staring it in the face, like new guys, like, are we going to have to trade Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. because you're nowhere near. And, and, and that's, I think a lot of organizations fall into that trap. Not to uh, admonish uh, the mistakes of the past, but, you know, I'm just saying it's not unique uh, to Vancouver. Uh, Let's get a couple more in. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's coming in on the Dunbar Lumber text line, but also Al with this text. It'll be the final one before we get to a couple of uh, non-Canucks questions. If you are the Canucks at the draft, would you consider drafting by position Instead of best player available, there's a real shortage of depth on defense for the organization. Marcus and Gibson's also asking about drafting for positional need rather than best player available. Best player available. Don't overthink it. Whoever's top on your whiteboard. BPA. If it's really close, sure, take positional need. But don't overthink it. What you need today might be different from what you need in two or three years. Yeah. Right? Or four years. Drafting for positional need is what got the Canucks Quinn Hughes. We, we touched on yeah. this yesterday. Now, I will say this, though. Uh, when it comes to grading, this all goes into the grading of a player. Let's say, for instance, I'm grading a winger and a center. Mm-hmm. I can have the same grade for the guy, but I'll give a higher grade to the center because the posi- he does things a center. He does things that the winger yeah. can't do. So it's already baked into the analysis when you're putting the players in. I mean, centers, if you're a functional center, you're going to get an extra little boost as a player profile. So that goes into it as it is. You don't need to go and, you know, take a winger or something else or whatever. And if there is a winger who's really good, don't go take Barrett Hayton. Do you think Arizona uh, likes that they took Barrett Hayton? No. Scored a great goal this week, though. It's beauty. (laughs) But I mean, right now, or yes, very quick and Amy. Yeah. But you'd rather have Quinn Hughes in both of those situations. You know, I do... Look, I, I would never say draft for positional need over best player available. But it certainly is even more imperative at the top of a draft. Um, and one thing I'll never understand, the, the Vancouver draft, when the Canucks didn't draft a defenseman at all. That was strange. Like, how often does that happen where you don't draft oh. any D-men? 
Yeah. Like, none. You know, like, I get not drafting for positional need, but you're not taking one D-man? Not one. No, I mean, and and that was a year. I mean, how many picks did they have that year? They had a lot. Well, they had more than their allotment. I think they had 10. Yeah. Now, they, they, you know, five of those picks were six and seven round picks. So, you know, we're not talking about high end. I mean, they didn't have a third. It was a Vasily put Coles in. But again, that's when you're taking, you know, throws at the dartboard anyways, well, right? Right. And the organization at that time said, hey, we feel good about our, our organizational strength. We feel good about our prospect pool for defensemen. We, we drafted a couple last year. We don't need a couple. I mean, it, it wasn't the right way to go about it. Yeah. Right? It really wasn't. And I, I'm fine with you taking shots on some of those guys they did late. Like Aiden McDonough has been a good one. Jack Malone made a lot of sense, too, at the time. And we'll see what happens with him here, ultimately. But... That, I think you're right. If you're looking to take a flyer on guys or positional, yeah. do it late in the draft. Uh, it's the mailbag every Friday. All right, a couple of uh, non-Canucks questions. Discount Dracula. What sport, above all others, do you guys love the most? Uh, it's it's a very um, off-the-board sport. They they maybe only talk about it in obscure sports quarterly, mm. but uh, Spro drinking. Spro drinking? Yes. <laughs> It's kind of like the uh, the hot dog eating contest, but for Spros. Are you punting on this question? <laughs> Come on, everybody knows it's soccer. Like, yeah, no, I know. For you, it's soccer. Yeah. I I mean, my Sunday morning coffee with a Juventus game is maybe the little slice of heaven that I have each week in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. I mean, not that life is hard, talking about the Canucks most days, but... I. I, I there's just I've always had this affinity with getting up in the morning and having a soccer match on, mm-hmm. whether it's my team or the Premier League or whatever it may have been. Um, it's just enjoyable, and it's something that I can truly just enjoy as a fan and not have to worry about having a take on it or anything like that. So it, it's just it's a different experience for me and one that I absolutely cherish each and every week. Yeah, and, and to be honest, like over the years, I've kind of gone, you know, I love baseball. Baseball doesn't fall into what I'm about to say, but I, I mean, yeah. you know, I I love watching, I just love sports in general, but like I mm-hmm. love baseball, but I've kind of over the course of my life, it's gone from hockey to soccer to basketball to football and kind of gone around. And I follow all four, you know, religiously. Yeah. The one that's really fallen off in recent years, because to be honest, it just has no relevancy to our work, so I just can't find myself dedicating enough time to it. It's basketball. Yeah. And I still watch my Lakers as much as I can, and you know, I watch when I can, and I try to keep up with it. But again, there's only so much time in a day, and yeah. what do you try to allot your time to? But it kind of goes back and forth between football, um, hockey, and soccer. If I had to lean, and considering how much time I spend on it, and I still enjoy it every single day, it's probably hockey. Because I don't think I could do something and I spend this much time on it every single yeah. day and still enjoy doing it. Like We yep. show up to work every day. We're hyped. I'm at every hockey game. I'm so excited to be at every single home game. So I'd, 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 I'd probably say it is hockey, even if I want to tell myself it's not. Yeah. It probably is. I took the question as uh, leaving out hockey, but... Oh. Well, if that's Maybe the case... Maybe I read it wrong. If that's the case, then probably soccer too, I'd say. Football's yeah. really close. Yeah. Because football's close. Maybe soccer, though. Football's really close. I love football. Both footballs. Yeah. <laughs> Just say football. It's an out football, either Football, mate. Football. But, man, NFL Sundays. Yeah. NFL mm. Sundays are fantastic. Yes. So good. Oh, I missed them already. Combine is on, eh? Mm-hmm. I, and 
usually I'm I'm such a geek for NFL stuff, but because of our new show too being so connect, you know, focused now yep. for the most part, and you know, with everything else going on, we've just been so focused on it. I haven't had again. I can't justify putting my time to yeah. combine stuff as much because <laughs> I need to focus on the Canuck stuff we're going to be talking yes. about for, for three hours every single day. Uh, Three-cone drill, would you be good at it? Ooh, probably. Yeah? Probably. I mean, we know I'm I'm the best 40-yard dash guy around, so. Yeah. 4940, baby. <laughs> Art Factora on the clock. Put it on my tombstone. <laughs> that is your claim to fame. Uh, Vincent. Final question for the mailbag. Favorite video game you played in the arcades? This one is super easy for me. I think this has tie-ins to the People Show because they were talking about that in their last segment and oh, uh, went off about Gran Turismo and a bunch of other games. So I think that's uh, where Vincent picked this one up from. Was uh, Gran Turismo a uh, was it an arcade game? I only played it on PlayStation. I don't know if uh, the arcade thing worked its way into it, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big uh, Ivan Iron Man Stewart super off-road. Way back in the day, you know, the crappy little uh, dirt <laughs> yes. with yes. the trucks and everything, and you had the steering wheel, you just spin oh, and yeah. just let her go. Oh, nobody beat me at that. I was unstoppable. Man. I, I, uh, at the arcades, I loved the car racing games. The ones you, you had actually, yep. um, my first car was standard, so I love, uh, I love shifting gears and all that sort of yep. stuff. So I loved getting into those cars and just... That was my thing at the arcades. You gave me money, I'd probably be in the race cars. I bet this was mentioned earlier. I think I saw it on the text line, but WrestleFest. Me and a buddy in like grade eight, my, our parents would drop us off at uh, Canada's Wonderland in Toronto uh, like every day in the summer because we were too young to work and they just didn't want to deal with us during the day. So they're like, hey, <laughs> go to the theme park. Here's 20 bucks. Um, <laughs> go have fun. Maybe not every day, but most days. And certainly every day they wouldn't give us 20 bucks, but when they wanted to get, get you, you, you made that money stretch, baby. <laughs> <laughs> when you did get it, uh, WrestleFest at the arcade at Wonderland was, uh, was huge. That was your thing. Oh right? man. So good. Yeah. So good. I mean, it just even Hogan, go- ultimate war, oh, yeah. macho man. Yeah. All the legends. But honestly, like even for a while, just regular pinball. Oh yeah, pinball games pinball. are amazing. Like for a while, when I was, I'd say, before the really cool video game like car races came out, like back old school. Because I'm old now, older now. Yeah, you know, getting closer to forty. So, so like, like before Street Fighter Two and Mortal yeah. Kombat and all those. You no, know. I mean they would be out. Yes, yeah. I mean around that time. Because here's the other thing. Good luck trying to get on the machine that has Street Fighter at oh, the arcade. 100%. Right? <laughs> oh, it was yeah. a lineup. Always a lineup trying to play Street Fighter or something, right? So the pinballs would be open. I'd go on like for a while, man. I was so into it. I was a big uh, Dance Dance Revolution guy. What? No, you're a DDR guy. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that is not true. Uh, all right, uh, that's it for Mailbag Friday. Thanks to all those who uh, sent in their questions. We appreciate all of them. We appreciate your listens. As subscribe to the podcast it does go a long way to growing the mailbag each. And every week, please give us a review as well while you're there. Dan Richo, Satyar Shah, Canuck Central.